Come on. Yeah, hello. Well, I would say welcome, Andy Neo, but uh, I he came already, out here. Sorry. He kind of stole my thunder there. That was was awesome. So we didn't get a chance to talk backstage, so I just kind of got a blank slate on stuff to uh, ask you. So I'm going to go old school for a minute because I'm old, and that's kind of the way it works. So when did you make the decision to jump into hip-hop music? Like, when that happened? I was, well, just as a kid, you grow up around stuff that, you know, you think is cool, and then you gravitate towards it, you know. So that was like wrestling, uh, sneakers, rap music. So, you know, I got introduced, like, my brother brought me my first pair of sneakers, like a pair of New Balance and, like, a Jay-Z CD. Then I got heavy into Snoop, started exploring all the, you know, hip-hop of the 90s. And then, um, yeah, I, I tried making my own raps with my buddies, just to kind of as a joke. And we figured out how to record ourselves on a computer. And we, you know, just started taking it from there. Just having fun, being a kid and having nothing else to do. So, like, do you know a lot about, like, the beginnings of rap for Christian music and kind of how that kind of all... I feel like I know a little bit. I feel like there was guys doing it in the 80s, I heard. There was, like, a couple... Oh, yeah, I had all their albums. Yeah, it was a couple all guys. <laughs> and then um, it was in the 90s, it was, it I know... It was terrible. Was it? Oh, it was terrible. I heard a couple guys were all right. Yeah, they were all right. There's always, like, an outlier or right, something. Right, right, right. It's just interesting. There's, like, always such a smaller pool of, like, a sheer numbers game. The amount of people who are Christians and who want to make music is literally just smaller. And so you're pulling just from a different pool. But, and then I know in the 90s it was like cross movement. Those guys were yeah. rapping and, and, and there was like a handful of other guys. 2000s had some people too. Um, like The Truth, Jay Silas. There was a lot of stuff in Philly that was going on. Grits, right? You guys probably know better than I do. So, yeah. like, what's it like now? Like, I mean, what's the, you got 116, you got all these yeah. these groups. Like, what's, what's, it, what's the community like now? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's It feels like there's, um, I think Christians can be uh, an interesting group of people because you have them in a, a, what's it called? A spectrum. Right. Where you have certain people, and just like anything, by the way, I'm not, this isn't like a shot at Christians. This is just shot at, like, people. There's a spectrum to purists like so some people like hip-hop music and they're like but i only like hip-hop from the 90s you know and then you have people who are like i like everything so there's like purists and so when you when you're christian same thing it's like uh certain people are like i only want explicitly christian music and then some people are like i'm a christian but i listen to everything it doesn't bother me you have the spectrum and so i think the communities of people just like in everything sneakers football sports whatever they gather by their respective things that they gravitate to. And so I think that's happening. I also just think barriers and boundaries and stuff are being broke down. And nowadays with Spotify, right, like I'm put on some playlists next to like Drake and Jay-Z and people can't tell. Right. They're just like, oh, it's good music. And I rock with that person. And uh, um, so, yeah. If you could collaborate with anybody, like what's your dream collaborator? Like if you could do some something with somebody, like who would that be? Uh... I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like I'd want to do a record with with somebody who was, like, completely outside of my thing. Yeah. Like Adele or, like, Bruno Mars or something. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, Or, like, right. John Mayer. Like, yeah. those are some really good writers. Bonnie Vare, Frank Ocean. Love those guys. It'd be tight to make some of those records. So I was asking through the crowd before we got started tonight. So I, I asked a couple of people, it's like, what do you want to know? What are some things? And so somebody brought up the song Wild Things. 
They're like, talk to me about wild things. Like, where'd that, where'd the inspiration, like, where'd that come from for you? Yeah. So I'm not like um, sanitized by Christianity. So a lot of people, that, what we call like the greenhouse effect, where like you're in the wilderness and then you get brought into the green, and it's like it's dangerous out there. You know what I'm saying? And then you're brought into the greenhouse, which is often like the church or Christianity, and things are kind of safe and you're insular and you're like, oh, I can grow here. And a lot of times what ends up happening is people get stuck in that greenhouse and then their whole world becomes the greenhouse and safety and their lingo even becomes really weird. This is where we get the term like Christianese. And you're like, hey, what's up? Going? How, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. And you're like, you're talking to somebody else who's not from church and they're like, who are you? You're a lunatic. I've never heard these words before. So we don't even realize we're getting washed over in this like thing and we can lose touch with the wild, right? Or just, you know, people. I don't even like using that word because it insinuates that where we got it right and they're messed up and wild. And that's not the case. I think the Christians are just the ones who are like, all right, I admit I'm messed up. I'm trying to get help for it, you know? So um, where the wild things are, one, is that was one of my favorite books growing up. Um, So I love Max and Carol. And I actually went to go get a tattoo of Max and Carol on my arm. And I had some placement issues. So I'm going to go get that later. (laughs) But um, yeah, like, so some of my friends... I was living in, I live in New York City, as you guys know, I live uptown, and my neighborhood, my block was a straight just drug block, so I would come home sometimes, and there would be like 13 cop cars pulled up on the sidewalk, and they were doing a raid next door and all that, and I remember we would hold Bible studies out of my house, and people would be like, why are you living here? And I was like, why wouldn't I live here, right? And so I just started realizing, oh, this isn't like the mindset of everybody. A lot of people like to stay insular and keep things safe and forget that there's a bigger there's a bigger mission that there's like people who don't have good news to know that God loves them and forgives them and wants a relationship with them. And so people need to be in those spaces, man. So I talk about on that record, like one of my friends was actively a porn star and he was coming to my Bible studies and hanging out with me because he felt safe because I didn't judge him. I didn't critique him. I didn't tell him to stop what you're doing right now. I befriended him and he became a, a space where we could talk about things. Um, porn stars, drug dealers on my block. I mentioned those things in the record. That's why I'm saying this. And um, I, I think, yeah, we make those things like trophies. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look, I got my one, you know, I got my one black friend. Like, be, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, come on, what are you, nuts? People say stupid stuff like that. Or, or your, your, your drug dealer friend or whatever. The point is, I think there should be regular interactions with people that are way outside of our sphere because if you're not having those things, you're going to start to lose touch with how to relate to people. So you just had a couple of new songs drop, and so my son's a huge fan of something about country, and I wish I could tell you the name of it because I don't I'm sorry. So talk to me about that song. So come on. Oh, yeah, I dropped a song called Anything But Country. I was working on it. So I have this project right now called Work in Progress. Thank you. And what work in progress is, is basically, since my mom passed last year in August, I haven't really worked on music. And so this became an opportunity for me to just go, well, I got all these old songs I'm sitting on that I never released. What if I released these songs with a podcast and said, here's why these songs didn't come out, and just gave people something to hold on to while I'm, you know, doing things in my personal life. And so we created this podcast. It's called Work in Progress and the Songs. And so this was one of the songs I was working on in 2014. 
And everyone thinks I'm like riding the Lil Nas X wave, like, I'm gonna take my horse. I'm like, no, I did this in 2014. But I thought the phrase anything but country, that's what the whole record is about, is about stereotypes. Is that something that people say? And I found myself saying that when people would ask me, what do you listen to? And I was like, oh, anything but country, man. And I realized, like, I never even gave country a chance. And I, I was like, wait, I think that's what we end up doing. We end up overhearing things about stuff and then believing that before we form our own opinion. And it really the song is about not thinking for yourself. And so the second verse goes, um, I grew up in a home. When my father wasn't in a home, so once in a while, I visit on a weekend, my Italian side, and that's when I see him, capiche? I remember speaking in detail, but only about football and females, a girlfriend, he asked if I had one, and if so, never bring home a black one. Must be something wrong with them. Well, that's what I thought back then. I wonder what his parents taught him. The irony is the closest thing I've had to a dad is a black man. They say don't judge a book by its cover and never judge a man by his skin and never judge a song by a genre. Our hearts are the monsters that we should really fight against. And so the whole thing is about stereotypes and how that, that stuff was like Im embedded in me from people, from other people before I shared my own experiences with those things. And... The irony of the whole thing was, like, the closest thing I've ever had to a dad is this dude, Dave Ham, this, this black man. And, and, and my dad's kind of, like, racist upbringing, he was imparted those ideas, and it was almost imparted to me. You know what I'm saying? God forbid. And so I, I share some of that vulnerability in that song and talk about, like, we say things like anything but country, um, but really that's, like, the... Those are the little seeds that turn into bigger problems. Like, we don't even realize that in some of our, even just in our choice of genre of music, that can, we can be forming these really terrible opinions about things that can spill over into other stuff. And so I, I just see how everything's all connected. And that's what that song was about, was um, trying to break those stereotypes. All right, so we're going to do something we hadn't planned. So the first five people to line up right there are going to get to ask him a question. So the first five people to get right there, and then um, we'll move on to the meet and greet. So before we do that, though, I got one more question. So while they're getting in place, Andy, how, what do you like about festivals? I mean, there's there's rain, there's challenges, and all this yeah. stuff. Like, why why do this venue over an arena or a a, a hall? Like, what what do you like about this environment? Yeah. Um, I think one of the the positive things about a festival situation is oftentimes you're getting people that came there to see other bands yeah. and they get a chance to find out who you are. And so outside of that, though, festivals are tough because, like, you're guaranteed to be in, like, a... It's either in the summer so it's hot or it's, like, dusty or you get rained on. And But that's just part of the... It's the name of the game, you know? Um, but I think another great thing is how big the speaker systems are here. Holy smokes. Like, I was out there doing sound check, and I was like, my music sounds great over this. This is fantastic. Oh, we heard you, because we were in here talking to Skillet. We could hardly hear him. Oh, really? Because shaking the room. It was awesome. Nice. It was great. So it, it really echoes in here. It's pretty good. You can kind of nice. hear a little bit, but when you were up there, man, it was, it was something. All right, so be fast. Come on. I know you got to... 
This is the young generation. They got to tape themselves talking to somebody. I don't understand it, but whatever. Yeah, hey, I'm a fan. Anyway, uh, my question was, like, you have a lot of artsy um, uh, covers, and somebody else asked this back in Skillet. Um, I was wondering if you had a favorite, like, album cover, like, art or something like that. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, my favorite album cover might be the Neverland stuff. Yeah, I love it, man. I thought that was really cool. Um, and it's so cool that we've, like, kept it over the years and, like, evolved it, you know? Yeah. Cool, thanks. Yeah, man, absolutely. Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? First question, where's your 116 tattoo? Hey, there it is. <laughs> where's yours, though? On my back. Okay. Real quick question. Uh, one I of can take my shirt off if uh, you want to see it. They <laughs> might. I'm good. Uh, real quick, I wasn't always a Christian. Uh, when I became a Christian, I thought I was a good Christian because I was doing what I thought God wanted me to do. Yeah. And then I picked up Heroes for Sale. Yeah. Just out of the blue. I had no mm -hmm. idea who you were at the time. The perception that you gave out in Heroes for Sale changed the kind of Christian that I became. Wow. And it actually, I feel like I'm living now like God wants me to do through your rap songs so or what you, you, you did in Heroes for Sale. One wow. of the things was the respect for women that you have. Wow. I would love to know, because I know in some of your rap songs, you talk about, you know, different girls every night, addicted to porn, things like that. Uh -huh. But I'm really feeling like you have a high respect for women. And I wanted to know how that transitioned into your life and at what point in your life you gained that respect for women yeah. that all men should have. Yeah. I think just you grow and evolve over time as a human. And if you're willing to expose yourself to other things, um, other ideas. I think sometimes we live in this like fortified thing where we don't let other ideas come in. And, and really, like there's this movie that came out. What was it called? Um, it just came out. It was about this like, uh, no, nah, it was about this like Ann Atwater and this Ku Klux Klan member like had to be on the same board. Oh. What's it called? Green Book? Nah, it wasn't that one. It was another one. Nah, it was something like that. But the point was, these kids, these Klansmen tried to, like, show up at this event and pass out their pamphlets. And so some of the, the, the black kids were trying to, like, throw it out. And Ann Atwater, this black activist, came over and she said, don't throw this stuff out. You need to take it home and learn it. She was like, this is giving you a free insight into the way that they think. So she wasn't condoning it, but she was saying, you need to understand where the other people are coming from in order that you can fight it well, right? And so I think a lot of times we stop all of the input from anywhere else. Like, oh, oh, it's, they're not Christians. Oh, I can't hear what they're talking about. And you, you limit yourself from learning and growing. And so I think I've opened myself up. Uh, I think living in coastal cities kind of helps too, like New York, California. We're kind of just more liberal <laughs> in general. Uh, I had to realize, like, how much privilege I had as a white man. I had to realize how much privilege I have as a male, a Christian male in this society as well. And it came through conversations with people who aren't like me to help explain those things and show those things to me. And being married, my wife is a feminist in, in the best sense of the word, that she desires equality for women in all spaces, right? And I've had to... Um, to learn that perspective and realize the places I was wrong and be like, yo, I stand with people. I stand with people to have equal rights in every sense of the word, you know what I'm saying? So um, I think my, I had to just 
really realized what was wrong here first and was with me is that I was blind to my own sexist kind of ways um, and having people around me that don't think like me helped change that. I do. I have a huge love for my wife. She's incredible. Yep, for sure. Hey, and my, uh, my question is, where did you get your inspiration for the song Pisano's Violin? Oh. <laughs> so Paisano is a, uh, is, a, or a paisan is like a word that Italians use for like friend, amigo, you know, partner. And so me and, me and uh, Marty, this other kid from Social Club, we were on the phone just like goofing off. Yeah, they're tons of fun. And... Um, I think we were talking to them, and then we came up with that phrase because Marty's part Italian. And then I made the song, like, as a complete joke. And I sometimes I'll do that. I'll, like, rap stuff and send it to my friends just to make them laugh. And they were like, nah, you got to keep this. And so we kept it, and we put it out and made the funny video for it. But it was just having a good time, having fun. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy. I just wanted to say, like, your music's amazing. Uh, Thank you for making the kind, the style that you make because my kids connect to it. Um, sorry. <laughs> my son got baptized today and is so excited to see you. Wow. And I think a part of it is because he can connect with your music. And wow. so if you see a bunch of Alaska kids out there in front, that's us. We're, we're here to see you. So That's incredible, thank man. You. Thank you. That's tight. What up, man? Paisan. All right, I see you. Listen, man. Um, Anyone with a beard like that <laughs> has got to be Italian. Listen, I'm a huge fan of your music, but more importantly, man, I'm a huge fan of you. So you. I just want to know, like, when, where, or why um, did you realize that you needed the gospel? Yeah, so I was, um, I was at a camp one summer. Uh, my sister was working at this camp. It was a Christian camp. And I really didn't want to go, but she told me there would be, like, zip lining and girls and pools and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'll go. I was like, all right, I'm in. I was, like, climbing and women. So I went. I was, like, 12. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but I went, and, man, I just got connected with people that were working there as counselors that were just really great, like, male figures for me. You know, growing up fatherless, you kind of crave that. And so there were older men who loved God, who... Um, seemed like they were, like, heading down a path that w was appealing to me. It was like they cared about God. They cared about themselves. They cared about deep friendships. And they were just inspiring people to be around. I think that was my first exposure to people walking with Jesus that made me interested. And then one evening, one of the guys that was just kind of taking me under his wing that summer got to share with me what the gospel was, which is really good news about um, Jesus wanting to uh, teach us how to live a life that, uh, you know, we can't live without his power. And so that night I just was like, yo, I want to follow Jesus. And I, and I remember um, there being like a, a tangible change in my heart um, from that evening. Like I started to have like forgiveness for people that I had kind of like resented for a long time. I started to like feel different about things that I was doing. Kind of like a conviction about like, I don't think I should do this, you know. And so I really feel like that was like the beginning of my relationship with God. And it's been a journey since, and it still is a journey probably for the rest of my life. Um, and one that comes with highs and crashes. And some days you feel like I'm done with all this. This is crazy. And then some days you're like, this is amazing. Everyone needs to know. But I'm on that journey now. And I think some people in this room are too. And it's been a, it's one I don't regret, you know. 
Well, thank you guys for coming in, and let's give it up for Andy. Now, I go on tonight. <laughs>